Hi everybody, welcome to the Just a Person podcast, a show that explores life's highs, lows, and in-betweens. I'm your host Madison, and this week I sat down with Kelly. We talked about why she got into teaching, what her teaching style entails, and why it's such an important profession. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the episode. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, You just told me I could call you Kelly, which is really weird because you were my teacher, but I'm just going to roll with it for the day. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, Let's get things going with a question. I've got my hat here. All right. So I'm going to pull my question out. How do you feel about getting older? Actually, I am totally okay with it. When I was 27, that birthday, for some reason, was kind of complicated emotionally for me, but I am so okay with aging as I have been. Life is good. Yeah, I feel like I'm the same. I don't really care. I'm going to be, by the time this comes out, I will have turned 24. I just don't really care. Like, I feel like I live each year as best I can, and then you just leave it behind and you move on. Uh, So speaking of age, why don't you (laughs) tell us a little bit about your childhood and growing up? So I was born and raised in West Michigan. I went to a small high school on the east side of West Michigan. I would say my childhood was less than ideal. As a child, my world was pretty um, scary. It was filled with a lot of fear, um, grief, loss. My parents divorced when I was really young. And um, when my dad left, my mom, and maybe she had suffered from depression before that point, but she began to exhibit signs of significant depression. So before the age of six, I was cooking for our household and taking care of regular chores like laundry and cleaning. I guess I didn't understand the significance of the event. The divorce occurred, but the impact was really big. I didn't have a normal childhood, what people would consider normal. I didn't feel like I was in control. I never really felt settled. I never felt safe. Um, There was one teacher in third grade who I think um, made a pretty big impact on me and gave me some insight that life was not just like that world I was living in. There was something greater to be had. That's obviously like a very complicated situation that you were in. And I think to kind of gear that towards what we're talking about today, I think a lot about how people's upbringing and their situation that they're in influences what they become as an adult and not just as a person but also their career path and kind of the examples that they have or people they can look up to and for you obviously the biggest kind of like a guiding light for you was a teacher and you are a teacher do you think that that had a big influence or I you know I I wondered about that I think maybe I started reading when I was really young and I taught a lot of the neighborhood kids how to read, which sounds kind of nerdy, but, you know, people played all sorts of games when I was young, right? It's, you're talking about a time before tech is part of an equation for little kids. So I always thought I would be a teacher. There was this moment in um, middle school where I saw something happened and I thought that no one fought for justice for that student. And I was going to change like my career path. So it's not that I had that all formulated out in my mind at that point. But I always just thought I would be a teacher because I was good at helping others. But for about eight years, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. When I went to college, I was in a pre-law program. And in my fourth year, midway through my fourth year, planning on graduating my fourth year, I decided that 
I wasn't sure fighting for justice in the courtroom was where I needed to be, that I actually needed to get into the classroom, kind of that grassroots effort, try to change lives in a different way. So when you were a kid, you did want to be a teacher? I think so. It was just a very natural thing for me. I really, really thought that that's where I would end up. But I just had that moment in the middle of my education where I I thought maybe I would take a more legal approach. So when I was in college, I took a coaching class, actually like coaching youth sports. And a huge part of that class, I'd say maybe like the beginning third of it was they wanted you to develop a philosophy because you anyone can teach someone how to say like dribble a ball. But it's it's more about that, especially when it's youth. I thought something interesting would be for a teacher. I mean, that's like, you you know, you have to have the skill of being able to teach, but there's so much more than that when it's a kid and you teach high school students, which is kind of, I mean, besides middle school, it's, it's a difficult age. What, what would you say is your teaching philosophy or your style? Here's the thing. I think when I started in education in 2000, the emphasis was on content. Content structure and discipline. And it wasn't until probably six months into my job that I realized delivering content, requiring a certain structure in the classroom and disciplining students in a very hard-lined approach was not going to work for me. I sat in college classes that taught me theory upon theory upon theory, but all of those theories are true hypotheticals until you're in the system. And so once I was there, I had to blend what I learned and figure out how to make it my own. I'm not sure I can really give you an exact definition of my philosophy, but at the end of the day, I want to prepare students to be responsible, productive, compassionate, engaged, worldwide citizens. And I try deliberately try to promote an environment that fosters empathy and that fosters high level of learning. And I think that blend oftentimes sort of leads to something pretty remarkable. I would say there's always a mutual trust. At some point, probably week three or four, you can attest to that. You know, I had you as a freshman and those first few weeks for freshmen are always really complicated, right? There's someone standing at the front of the class and and you really don't know how to gauge me. And I know how to read you just because I have the experience, but I need you to trust me enough to come along in this process. And the head fake is that it's never about literature. It's about learning how to become the best version of yourself. So my focus now is always about creating a safe and supportive learning environment where I push my students to think critically all the time. I always want those brain synapses firing on overload. Because I feel like when you set the standard high for that critical, rigorous thought about any complex issue, the results are endless, regardless of the level of the student, the grade grade level of the student. Yeah, I'll say two things to to what you just said. Number one, you need someone to make you feel like you can you can trust them. And then that's the way that you can be your best is because you're not scared. You're just doing your you're just talking or doing your work or whatever it is. And like, that's how you get the best out of somebody. 
is if they just feel safe talking to you. And then number two about pushing somebody, I think that's definitely something that you do in your teaching as someone who's been your student. You probably pushed me harder than any teacher I ever had or even professor in college. Don't let your professors hear this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess my major wasn't like, I'm not a rocket scientist, right? But just even because you're such a hard teacher, people respect you for that. That when you say to them like, oh, this was really good. Or like you give someone a good grade. It's like, I knew I earned that. So are there any other big ways that you think teaching has changed since you started or that you view it differently than when you started? I think so. I think when I started, we looked at learners on a like data spectrum. And don't get me wrong, we still use data in lots of ways every day to try to drive keyed in instruction. But I think now there is a shift and and maybe the shift happened in some schools, you know, two decades ago, but in the school that I'm in, it's starting to shift gradually. For me, it happened a while back. I look at the learner as a whole and I think there's more empathy in teaching. It's not just about, you know, looking at the flaws in this student and trying to fix those areas. You know, sometimes you can sit in those classes that teach you theory and they tell you when you see a child's reading level at grade six and they're in grade nine, here are some strategies to better teach that student to to master his grade level proficiency in reading. When really we don't need to necessarily look at those strategies to teach phonics. (laughs) We actually have to look at some other factors. And I think looking at those other factors, looking at the student as a whole is very helpful. I think in my opinion, I'm not a teacher, but I I do get what you're saying. Like a long time ago, people just thought if you can't learn this way, there's something wrong with you. But really, it's like not everyone can learn the same. It's kind of the problem that people have with standardized tests, which I get the pros and cons of standardized testing. But not everyone is the same in that way. And I don't know a different way that you can mass measure, you know, people's intelligence or whatever in a way that colleges can all understand. But it's just, there's no one way for people to learn. We're all just, we're all different and we all do things in different ways. And if just because like, uh, one thing works for me doesn't mean it works for say my brother, like it's kind of a thing you have to just get creative and figure out if you're going to be the teacher, like maybe it seems above and beyond, but like it is kind of the job of the teacher to figure out how to teach. Yeah, I agree. So what do you think for yourself personally are the best and worst parts of teaching? So the best far outweigh the worst. I don't mean to, I guess I don't mean to say worst. That sounds like. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but... we'll, we'll hit the, we'll hit the worst first. Okay, politics. So I would say pre-pandemic, that was the hardest part for me. Just navigating some of those, you know, those schools of thought and how they merge. Because of course, as all schools function differently, my school functions with a group of people who have some insight and and opinions. And those insights and opinions kind of work their way into administrative viewpoints. And sometimes they align and sometimes they are almost combustible, but there's a trickle-down effect. And I think If you talk to any teacher with any experience, generally the politics and education tend to be what is so problematic. For me, I would say that is a downside. 
post-pandemic, a big downside in education is this personal entitlement uh, that parents seem to be asserting. You know, just real, like almost aggressive behaviors and commentary about teachers, which I think is really unfortunate because we are the the safe harbors for so many of those kids, right? We're that we're that place where students are not just learning, but they're growing emotionally. Um, they're learning how to be who they want to be when they leave us. And it's it's really interesting to have some of the parents of those students who are thriving just kind of have laughable conversations in public places attacking the system that you work for or or potentially you as the teacher. Okay. And now hit us with some of the best. The best. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, okay. So the best, those personal connections that you make with your students, they're life-changing and they're long-lasting. Oftentimes students will reach out in some way after they graduated and um, sometimes graduated and gone to college and graduated and then they'll reach out and they share moments that help to give them you know, the abilities to be successful, whether it was in college or a job. Um, I think the aha moments in class are often underrated and they are some of the best things that happen every day. The moment when you see a concept click and whether a student wants to give you that visual cue or not, it's so apparent through body language and sometimes tone of voice if they're speaking, eye inflection, it's wild. Those things are life-changing. But it's those moments of recognition when they're putting complex pieces together and they're able to give you something that's so, so new and so fresh that you maybe haven't even thought of it in your career. Those are the moments of brilliance that I would say are the best. That's what keeps me in this game. The fact that I can lead or, or foster, it's one of those things that's um, pretty miraculous. You know, it's kind of like you get what you give people. You get that in return because you're one of the teachers that you can tell actually cares. And it's not like you just care if we do well in the class. Like you said, you want to like make people better and like let them be the best versions of themselves. And I think you can absolutely tell the teachers that do that versus the ones that don't care as much. Well, thank you for the compliment. The best part for me is getting to see the the after. After you leave our institution, what do you do with your life? Are you living it as purposefully as you want to? I think you want to, once you get to where you're going, tell them and be like, hey, I did this. Thanks. <laughs> you know, because it's it's a it's one thing to be a teacher, but it's it's also another thing to have someone believe in you that's even if you have a very supportive family, but just someone that doesn't have to love you. You know what I mean? Like, but we still do, right? You're right. Someone that just to know at one point you believed in someone believed in you and being able to share that with them, I think is cool. To kind of tangent off that, I, I feel like that is one of the hardest things in education for teachers who are invested in what they do. You know, you build these families with within your classroom environment and they're year to year families. Sometimes you lose a family member and you gain three. And um, in terms of they leave the class, not again. <laughs> <laughs> Correct, okay. right? So you might you might gain one because all of a sudden you have a new student in your room, or you have a few that need to kind of move into different areas. But for it, in my position, I'm able to have some students for four years, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve, and 
one of the hardest things I do is when they hit grade 12, it is a goodbye. It's not a goodbye forever. And, and I have gotten to the point, this was around 2005. I stopped saying goodbye. It's never finalized then. You're still always part of the same family. Okay. So before I ask you our kind of final question here, I just have to say my something I think about all the time that we had to do in your class was to just to give an example of you pushing people um, <laughs> to reach their potential we once you were out I you I don't know you just like we had a sub that day and you, we had we had an hour and a half class it was my my senior year and you gave us a one-page story that we had to or no a two-page story we had to read and then we had to in the same class write a four-page paper about the two-page story and I just thought that was the craziest thing. Yeah, that sounds about right. But I think about it all the time because I'm like, if I could get that done up to a standard that you required, I could do anything I wanted in this life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say I haven't really gotten any easier. I didn't think you would have. <laughs> I never would have. I would yeah, I think yeah. that of you. <laughs> Listen, there's more and more that's demanded of you when you walk into those college classrooms. And I need to make sure you are ready for everything, every possible thing, right? So whether that's testing electronically, uh, writing a different caliber, a different length, um, understanding concepts differently, those are all things that sort of drive my underlying academic current. So um, you know, I spend most of June and most of August prepping for my next year. I try to take July off. Um, and a lot of that goes into what's new, what's current. I just finished taking, you know, four classes last week just to kind of remind myself that these are the best practices. And I want to kind of make sure that I'm not only staying up on best practices, but utilizing those resources where I need to. Do you have any advice for new teachers or people maybe that are in college, you know, going to be teachers, anything like that? I do. So I think, and I hope none of this sounds cliche, but I think figure out what your passion is in the classroom. Learn how to instruct others with a rigorous aptitude to push that academic excellence. I will tell you that your job, though it will not be effortless, will be so much richer. You will be able to reach kids in a very deliberate manner. Affording a pretty cool, or establishing really, a pretty cool relationship between you know educator and learner. And it will be surprising at first, but um, it will become second nature and almost effortless as time goes on. This is just a side question that I have. When you have certain students, can you ever like tell what people are going to become or does anyone ever really surprise you? Oh, that's a great question. Well, there are always surprises in education. I would say that the students who come in as freshmen and tell me they know what they're going to be are very rarely that thing because I was sort of in that same position, right? Teaching was always who uh, in my blood. I just didn't understand it. I, I wanted to kind of drown it out for a moment. So I feel like, you know, my own personal quick side track off of that educational route into pre-law is a prime example of those students who say, I'm definitely going to be a doctor. And then they eventually end up in engineering or finance. Um, I think I'm often surprised by students and their choices in their professions, but I'm not surprised when they make changes. So when students come in and tell me what they want to be, sometimes I automatically know, yes, that is the right 
you know, track for you, but sometimes they don't see the the same potential in an area that I may see in them. You know, we all like to see our, our students succeed and we never know exactly what our life path is going to be, but I love to be surprised in the best ways when I hear that my students are successful. And to me, success is not necessarily that steady job in the chosen profession that the student had in mind. It's, are they happy? Are they living the life that they want to live with purpose and integrity? And are they surrounded by good people who make them better each and every day? You know, I think that's the key. Those are the things that make me the happiest. And those are the little surprises that are are most welcoming. Uh-huh. Tearing up a little bit? No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's good to know, um, you know, there's still good teachers out there. And not that there's anything against teachers, but it's just such an important thing. Like you really, you shape the people, you know, whoever your teacher is, teachers are like often do shape, you know, the way you learn, the way you see the way things, the way you think about things. And and maybe people don't think about it like that, but I think that that's true. So if we are doing our jobs right as educators, we're not just teaching that content. We're again, we are, we are fostering that emotional growth. And it's so important because you're right, you know, looking at the experiences that I've been able to have and the students I've been able to teach, I feel like we see that success in so many of our students. We see that they have become the best versions of themselves. And we know that we all have a hand in that, in that student story, which is pretty amazing. It's kind of like how people can be really choosy about their work place, because it's the same thing you spend all day with these people. You know, you want to make sure that you're, you're bringing the best that you can to that. It's wild to think sometimes that in a small school system, we have the opportunity to really spend that quality time. You know, again, it's not just about that content we're teaching. It's about teaching the whole, the whole person. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on here today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I'll talk to you later. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thanks so much again to Kelly for being a guest on the show today. If you have a story you want to personally share on the show, want us to read on air, or a topic you'd like to see discussed, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at JustAPersonPod, or send us an email at JustAPersonPod at gmail.com. And we'll see you next Monday with another new episode. 